Good morning and welcome to this week's Football Digest Extra Time. I'm Ned Keating, video journalist at The Mirror and I'm joined this week by the Liverpool Echoes Paul Gorst to run the rule over Liverpool's win at Arsenal on Saturday. Uh, there were capital gains for Jurgen Klopp's men as they boosted their top four hopes with an emphatic win while Mikel Arteta was left to apologise to Gunners fans after such a sorry display. Uh, Paul, as a Liverpool reporter for the Echo, you're obviously going to be delighted with the win and, and the performance as well and every right to be. Um, but in terms of Arsenal, we'll start off just a little bit on them. I mean, a really disappointing display from Arsenal, particularly for the fans. So tepid, so defensive. In a way, something that Arsenal isn't expected to be almost. Were you, were you surprised by how defensive they were at the weekend? Uh, yes and no. I wasn't particularly surprised by how defensive they were. It was more just how how poor they were in implementing any sort of counter-attack and game plan. Um, I think the three times... Um, Arsenal played Liverpool away from Anfield um, at the Emirates last under Arteta at the Emirates last season, at the Emirates on Saturday, and the Community Shield. He's um, he set them up to to counter attack, and he's tried to make them a bit stubborn and a bit rigid and and hard to beat. Um, and in July, the uh, kind of profited from that. A couple of Liverpool mistakes defensively. I think Van Dijk and Allison both uh, had a couple of shockers in that one and, and Arsenal won 2-1 and then in the Community Shield it was a similar thing playing on the counter-attack once again kind of setting them up to get men behind the ball and, and use Aubameyang against I think it was Nico Williams that day at Wembley and that worked again um, they eventually got to penalties and, and won it and I think maybe he thought he, he could he could try it again and, and um, there'd be some joy with Lacazette and Aubameyang on the counter-attack but um, Liverpool just, just didn't have any of it this time and were worthy winners, um, but it's um, it's jarring really. You know, not not watching Arsenal every week. To you know, some of the things you associate with Arsenal generally, it's um, it's jarring to see see an Arsenal team so kind of um, without any sort of ambition, particularly at home. Um, and um, I know he's kind of tried to bring in a little bit of a culture change and make them a little bit more um, robust and and stronger. But um, on Saturday they were just they were poor. I mean that that could have been a a team in, in the relegation zone for, for how little he offered. Despite Arsenal sitting back so deep and, and being defensive as we touched on there, Liverpool were able to, to get in and score three goals. Uh, Diogo Jota getting two of them, started on the bench. Uh, we know he's, he's had spells out of injuries this season, but he's really, really starting to look like someone who could be a key man, not just for Liverpool this year, but for, for many, many years to come. Yeah, he's, he's a top player. I mean, I initially thought Liverpool had overpaid a little bit when they, they brought him in from Wolves. I thought because of the way the deal had been negotiated, I thought Liverpool were probably paying a little bit more of a premium to, to get him when they got him in September. And uh, I always thought he was a good player, but um, he's just been absolutely fantastic. I think he scored 12 goals you know, and, and that's uh, after having three months out with a knee injury as well. So um, a man in, in red hot form, um, got the winner against Wolves. He obviously turned the game in Liverpool's favour on, on Saturday and he, he scored three for Portugal in, in the break. So he's, a, he's having a fantastic season and it's a shame really that, you know, you look at that absence where he, he picked up the injury in what was a Champions League dead rubber in, in December and he only came back um, a few weeks ago and on where Liverpool could be had he, had he stayed fit. I mean, when the kind of <clears throat> inquests of this Liverpool season, uh, you know, begin, a lot of, is going to focus on obviously Van Dijk and, and Joe Gomez and, and Joe Mata, who who's in and out of the team, the season-ending injuries. But I think a lot has got to be focused on Jota now as well with, with his absence. Um, and for me, he um, he's got to start now for, for as much as he can uh, ahead of Firmino and, and um, 
in, in that front three because uh, it, it, he's just got a, a knack of, of scoring goals and as I say now to the dozen for the season and, and he's going to be targeting 15 plus now for the rest of the season. He's, he's been a fantastic buy. Um, I saw as well that you'd spoken recently to uh, to his former manager in Portugal, um, Vasco Ciabra with uh, Pachos de Ferrara. Probably pronounced that completely wrong. Um, but, you know, you, you've obviously... <laughs> um, you spoke to him and, and you kind of got an understanding of, of what it was like to work with a young Jota. And it, it kind of seemed like a really interesting, uh, you know, interview that you had with him. Just just talk us through that and what he kind of, uh, you know, how he helped you probably gain a better understanding of, of Jota when he was younger back in Portugal. Yeah, it, it, it was very interesting talking to, talk to Vasco last week. He, he spoke about how um, when Diogo Jota came to, to Pacos Ferreira at 16 or 17, he, he didn't really know what type of player he was. He, he was just a young, fairly unassuming boy and, and you know, he, he could play but he was neat and tidy and, and he knew that he was a player but it was kind of, where, where do we play him? Where can we fit him in? And, and there was a conversation between the pair that took him from being a kind of neat and tidy central midfielder to uh, to a forward who, you know, a mobile forward and, and that was the, almost the catalyst in, in, in the change in, in his career early on and, and all of a sudden he was a goal scorer. And then from there, everyone at, at that club knew that, that this was a player who was destined for, for bigger things. So they tied him to a, a lengthy contract. And then um, Atletico Madrid came in and, and, and they'd been watching him. And um, he was only there two months, uh, didn't quite um, fit in there. But it, it was almost a. Um, Vasco said that it was a move that was probably too big, too soon, going from, you know, a, lower lower side in Portugal to, to one of the, the big ones in Spain. But from there, he went to Porto. and with under Nuno and, and he's really flourished ever since and now we're looking at one of the uh, rising stars of the Premier League he's, uh, he's, he's, he's been superb There had been talk as well over the international break about uh, you know and, and recently too about Mo Salah potentially uh, flirting fluttering his eyelids uh, towards clubs in Spain shall we say Um we know at the minute that he's, he's obviously going to be a Liverpool player until the end of the season. Who knows what's going to happen in the summer? You know, talk of Erling Haaland. Who knows the money that clubs will have to spend as well, um, you know, with the current world that we're living in. But if and when the time does eventually come for, for Mohamed Salah to move on uh, from Liverpool, um, did I have the ready-made replacement in Diogo Jota already in the squad? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure about that, actually. I, th- I think Jota was brought in to kind of supplement that front three. Um, for, for so long, they have been pretty much running themselves into the ground for Liverpool over the last three years. I mean, they barely missed a game other than Devokarigi coming in now and again and, and Jadon Chikiri. And, and I think Liverpool needed someone whose quality was, was not too much of a drop-off when any of those front three were out. And I think Jota was the perfect man for that. And, and now he's, he's got himself into a situation where you're questioning whether... Um, he should be dislodging in one of the front three. But um, in terms of Salah, I don't... I mean, the timing of, of that interview last week with, with Marco was um, peculiar and, and probably ill-advised, you know, with the Champions League game coming up tomorrow night. But I don't think, if you actually look at what he said, I don't think he said anything too inflammatory or too controversial. It's just kind of straight back at the, the questions about Real Madrid. And, and much of the conversation was about the, the, the players and, and yeah, the team and, and Zidane. And, and it wasn't... I think there was just a one little question about would he like to play in Spain one day, and um, you know, obviously, was he just said yeah, perhaps one day, who knows? But for, for my money, from from what I read, um, that the 
the interview with Ayash in December and then he spoke to another publication in Norway, I think, in January or February. He doesn't speak too often, though, Sally. He's very well protected by the club and in that sense and his agent is very selective over who he speaks to. So when he does, you, you kind of have to, to listen and, and read and, and see what he's saying. But I don't think he said anything too controversial and, and I get the feeling um, speaking to, to one or two people and reading between the lines and so on, uh, it's more that um, a, a new contract is what he's perhaps after at Liverpool. Um, so maybe that uh, is something that the club will look at further down the line. Of course. Looking at Liverpool's display in general, um, you know, a, re- a really good display from them away from home, three goals, a clean sheet, um, really dominated. You know, it was, it was almost an attack against defence, wasn't it, on Saturday? And they're starting to look like their old selves again at a crucial stage in the season. Back to back wins in the Premier League. I think it's just two points, isn't it, off a, what is a very uh, clustered uh, top four race at the minute um, but obviously the big Champions League games come against Real Madrid as well this week but they look like they're starting to get back to their old selves at possibly the best time that they could do it Yeah looking like a, a, a team again once again and, and I think the I think the big situation has been moving Fabinho back into that midfield and, and getting a, a couple of centre-backs who are centre-back by trade and, and uh, crucially being uh, you know afforded the chance to, to play together and, and kind of develop a bit of a partnership. I mean, they've been to play 20 different centre-back partnerships this season and, you know, that has, has had such a destabilising impact on uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold, for example. You know, plenty of talk about him not being at his best, particularly from Gareth Southgate, but how can you be at your, your marauding PFA Young Player of the Year best when you've got 20 different centre-back partnerships lined up alongside you and um, that has had a kind of rehabilitating impact on the midfield as well because Fabinho's been forced to move back and Jordan Henderson's even played in there. So um, <clears throat> the big thing for me has been just getting two centre-backs in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. No, not particularly spectacular centre-backs by any chalk. Um, Ozan Kabak was only 21 last week and, and Matt Phillips has played the majority of his career out on loan. Um, but crucially, they are two defenders who, who want to defend first and foremost and having Fabinho a little bit further in front of them is that shield Liverpool just look a completely different team and um, not sure whether they can win the Champions League with those two at the back, but um, three clean sheets on the bounce and um, they're looking as um, steady as they have been all season, really. You mentioned there about Trent Alexander-Arnold having struggles this season. I just wanted to get your kind of thoughts on the whole situation about uh, him being dropped from the Incan squad, uh, Jurgen Klopp's comments as well before the game against Arsenal, um, and and after it as well, saying that he was um, delighted, obviously clarifying that he wasn't trying to have an argument with Gareth about it. Um, but for you, is he still England's best right back option, and is he someone that that needs to start playing well over the, the course of, uh, between now and the end of the season to get in the squad, or should he be in the, the squad automatically? I, I find it baffling, really, that. He's not. Uh, he's 22. It was 23 in October. Um, he's won the Premier League, the Champions League. He's the PFA Young Player of the Year. He's been part of the best defence for the last two full Premier League seasons. 12 assists and then 13 assists, breaking his own record. Um, and he's, he can't get in the England squad. I find that incredible. Um, I know England have got a lot of strength and depth at right back, but this is a player who's, who, as I say, will be 23 in October and he's only had 12 caps. And when you think of how quickly young players get thrust into the England squad these days, he should be someone for me who, who finishes his, his England career with 100 caps. Um, no question, he, he's that good. He's the, the best player out of the Liverpool Academy since Steven Gerrard in, in the mid-90s. He's, he's an unbelievable player for me. Um, I've watched him 
pretty much since since he burst into the team three or four years ago. Um, <clears throat> so I I find it strange that he, he's left out. I don't think he's been at his best, but as I say, there are some mitigating circumstances for that. But um, it, I think he'll accept that himself that he hasn't been at his absolute best. But I don't think he's been anywhere near as, as poor as what some people like to make out. I think sometimes because of how um, how good he is going forward, his um, defensive shortcomings are kind of <clears throat> exaggerated almost. I think people think if you're not a right back who, who's um, throwing aggressive slide tackles to concede throw-ins, that, that you can't defend and, and his, his way of defending and, and Liverpool's way of defending is very different. It's very much win it back higher up the pitch. You know, you don't have to sprint back 60, 70 yards when you've lost the ball. You win it back up the pitch um, save yourself that, that run. Um, and that is how Liverpool try to defend. So for me, it's it's a strange one. He, he should be in the England squad um, and he, he should be starting. No, I'm with you now. I think it's uh, it's almost laughable when you consider that he made his debut back in 2018. As you said, they've been, been part of such a key side. Mm-hmm. Um, only got 12 caps and Reese James made his debut, what, last October, I think it was, and he's already got six. But yeah. that's a story for another day. Uh, I think, um, just just going back to Arsenal briefly, um, Paul, again, we, we touched on it at the start, how defensive they were uh, and how poor they were um, at the weekend. Um do you think they would have been that defensive if, if fans had been in the ground on Saturday? Do you think they would have allowed it as well to happen? You know, they probably would have been very vocal early on, um, you know, letting the team know exactly what they felt of, of such a, you know, should we say boring display almost? Like, you know, very, it just wanted to contain Liverpool, as you said earlier. Yeah, it was very, very passive, wasn't it? And it, they were set up to do that, but they didn't didn't implement it well at all. And, and you do have a point about the fans here, you, you can imagine... Um, Arsenal fans who have been accustomed to a certain way of playing for, for so many years, rightly or wrongly, um, they they surely wouldn't have accepted that at the Emirates on, on Saturday. I mean, um, Arteta almost got away with that, didn't he? Can you imagine how um, angry the, the stands would have been if if um, you know they, they were um, playing with eleven men behind the ball and not even looking at a threat in, in any sort of counter attack and you know, opportunities. It was just a, a real dominant performance from the visitors. And, and no matter who the visitors are, I mean, Arsenal fans will surely wouldn't accept that. I, I can't speak for them. I mean, I only know a couple, but um, I think when the you know club the, the size of Arsenal, you, you can't um, put in too many performances like they did on Saturday. Um, you can you can lose, of course, you can. But it was the manner of the defeat, wasn't it? This was a Liverpool team who haven't been anywhere near their best of last season, and, and we're still allowed to, to roll up and, and play their way and, and um, we're, we're dominant from start to finish. Um, we've had a, a few uh, comments in on the show as well, mostly uh, Arsenal this morning. Um, we have had one interesting one uh, from Watira Philip, uh, suggesting that the time is already up for Mikel Arteta and that Arsenal should perhaps uh, look at uh, Eddie Howe maybe, or at least let Arsenal Wenger come back uh, so that they can finish in the top four this year. But with someone from the outside looking in at Arsenal, um, do you think Mikel Arteta is A, doing a good job and B, deserves more time if he is under pressure at the minute? Obviously, the, the defeat at the weekend will have, will have likely increased any pressure on him. Um, so so when, when, when did he come on? Was it midway through last season? For, for yeah, December 2019, yeah. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, so you, you're coming up to, well, close enough to, to 18 months now. and At, at, at that point, you'd, you'd kind of want to see something um you know see where where he wants to go where, where he's looking to get his team and and looking at them on, on Saturday 
you, you think this was a manager who'd only just come in and just wanted to get men behind the ball against the tough opponents in Liverpool and don't really see where they're going. And um, I look back to just before, around Christmas time, was it? They were in a really difficult spell. Um, and then they, they, they turned up against Chelsea, put on a real performance, it was a boxing day. Um, yeah. and, and then from there, it looked like he, he, he'd almost found the feet a little bit, but on, on Saturday, it was... It was as bad, bad as I've seen them. Obviously, don't watch them every week, but um, if there's been a, a worse performance than that this season, then it will, will have had to have done well, possibly. Maybe when they lost to Burnley at home. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, coming up to 18 months, I, I think Arsenal fans might be within their rights to kind of question where the progression is going with, with Mikel Arteta. And obviously, a little bit similar to Liverpool in the situation that um, they're not, um, they've been massively hamstrung by the, the finances with the pandemic situation. But um I think they need um, quite a lot of work in the transfer market and, and is is Arteta the manager to do that? I'm not, not too sure. Big week for uh, for both teams, though, for both Liverpool and Arsenal uh, coming up. Big European fixtures. Liverpool in action against Real Madrid in the first leg of their quarterfinal. Arsenal have got uh, Slavia Prague in the Europa League. Um, for both teams, a, a, a win in Europe and, and winning the trophies uh, of the respective competitions, they, they go a long way to saving their season almost for want of a better term isn't it yeah no no question and, and I think Arsenal um, obviously we've spoken at length there about their um, their situation and their problems but um, if I was Arsenal if I was Mikel Arteta or, or an Arsenal fan I'd be looking at that this Europa League and thinking why why, why can't we win it um, there's, there's no no team to really strike fear in, into the heart of anyone I mean I think Manchester United are the favourites and we know that Arsenal have, have beaten them this season and drawn with them and um, Slavia Prague well, well they, they, they did well against Rangers didn't they but um, you know, I, I don't think Arsenal will be too worried about them so they could be looking at that now and thinking this this is a real chance to to uh, to put a marker down and, and really stake their claim for the, for the Europa League um, you know, we know they were in the final a couple of years ago weren't they against Chelsea and, and deservedly beaten that night but um, why can't they, they win that Europa League? Um, that, that's how I'm looking at it from the outside. Um, from the perspective, I mean, I wouldn't say winning the Champions League kind of saves the full season because, you know, any year you win the European Cup is an incredible year, you know, a fantastic season. And um, this this is a Real Madrid team that isn't um, one of the, the classic Real Madrid teams, is it, from... You know, I think did they win three or four European Cups in, in three and four years, wasn't it? Um, around the mid uh, mid part of the last decade, and it's not the same squad. Um, you've lost Ronaldo, Bale. Um, obviously, Sergio Ramos is, is injured for this game. So, if Liverpool can can get by Real Madrid, I think they might have a bit of a point to prove. Actually, then you you're into the last four, and, and it's going to be either Chelsea or Porto. And I think Liverpool would, would fancy it against either of those two, and then potentially a final. So um, while I don't make Liverpool favourites purely because of the issues at centre-back and I don't think Phillips and Quebec for all the improvements of late, I don't think they're uh, a centre-back pair who can win you the Champions League or you can hang your hat on. But um, at the moment, they're just coming into a little bit of form and, and I think that they might be able to, uh, to, um, to, to do something against Real Madrid over these two legs. 
Liverpool and Istanbul in a Champions League final potentially as well to look forward to later in the year. I'm sure, sure most Reds fans would love that as well. Uh, yeah. Just to reminisce about 16 years ago, I know my dad would as well, he's a big Liverpool fan. He's got a uh, Stephen Gerrard, the, like a mosaic of it on the wall. So every time I go home, I get to see that. He's got like a big <laughs> light on it. Um, but anyway, enough about my family life. Um, just going back to Premier League briefly, Paul. Um, looking at that top four race, uh, we touched on it before the show. Um, you know, how tight it is. You know, two points. Liverpool are off now, but they're in sixth. You look down the table, you've got Everton and West Ham both playing tonight. They can win and, and really, really close it up. It's going to be a, 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 it's going to go right down to the wire, really. There's no other way to say it, is it? Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that there's that many teams fighting for it, that um, there's there's a lot of, of mileage still yet to, to run in this, and um, I'd still make Chelsea favourites. Um, obviously, had a difficult weekend with with West Brom, somehow going it and scoring five. Obviously, they had the man less, but um, yeah, I mean, I'd still make Chelsea favourites. But Liverpool somehow find themselves right back in the thick of it when you think that it was only a month ago that they lost the form. Um, the sixth defeat in a row at Anfield, which is incredible, really, when you think about it. Liverpool have lost 18 points from the last 18 available at Anfield and still find themselves two points off the top four. It shows you how crazy that this season is. And and uh, if it was a straight shootout between Liverpool and Chelsea, then I think that Liverpool could really, um, you know, breathe heavily down Chelsea's necks and force an error at some point but um, it's the fact that you've, as you say there you've got Tottenham West Ham Everton um, and Chelsea and Liverpool all going for that that top four spot so it's going to be um, it's good. I mean it, it keeps it interesting doesn't it for the last six weeks or so of the season for the neutral um, we know that the the title is um, has been wrapped up for some time so uh, once again it's down to the top four race to keep uh, people interested <laughs> Indeed, indeed. Hopefully an entertaining end uh, to the season. Um, Paul, thanks so much for joining us uh, this morning. Really appreciate your time and, and for speaking about Liverpool and, and for Arsenal. Hopefully uh, hopefully we can get you on again before the end of the season. Um, yeah, Thanks again to guys for, for watching and listening in. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with our uh, football writers going through uh, some of the bigger talking points uh, from, from the week of, that's been in football. Uh, and all that's left for me to say is thanks for listening again and make sure that you tune in uh, next time. 